0: Thank you for listening to The Silver Club Podcast. Here's your host, two-time walker cupper and former world amateur number one Steve Scott, and men's golf coach at Yale University and golf historian Colin Sheehan. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of The Silver Club Podcast. We're going to give Colin the week off this week. As we move into the PGA Professional Championship, all the greatest club pros in the country are going to make their way down to South Florida to PGA Village to play the Ryder and the Watermaker courses this upcoming week. And our guest this week is Jason Karen, the 2020 PGA Professional National Player of the Year out of the Mill River Club in Long Island, New York in the Met section. But before we get to Jason, and this great podcast, I just wanted to go over a little bit of a recent event at the Carpet Ride. We were in northern Georgia at a beautiful place called The Farm, and we had a fun day the day before at Macklemore up in the mountains of Georgia. Beautiful spot, hilly terrain, and some great golf was played by our competitors. Tyler Hogan took the overall and Jones division title, while Mike Ruffing won the Evans division. And Jay Rohella took our Scotch division, which is the fancy name that we use for the net division. So anybody who's a 9.9 index and below can join the Silver Club Golfing Society. Just take a look on our website, silverclubgs.com. Fill out the tab that comes up, and we will get back to you as soon as possible. You can always check out our social media sites also at Silver Club Golf on Instagram and Twitter, and we're on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Just to note some future events that we will be playing, we'll be putting the final touches here momentarily on the Hamptons event that we're going to be playing called the Islander. We'll be in New York in mid-May. We're going to go to places like Chicago, outside of Denver for our match play major. And we'll do a couple team matches as well at a few prominent clubs in the St. Louis area as well as Toledo, Ohio. So just check out our website and reach out to us to find out about all the compelling, architecturally significant sites that we get to play at the Silver Club Golfing Society. I'd be remiss if I didn't thank our sponsors really quickly. The Turtleson Company, Torch Eyewear, and the Winston Collection. Great brands, great customer service. Thank you to Turtleson, Torch, and Winston for your unwavering support of the Silver Club Golfing Society. And don't forget to subscribe and download our past 51 episodes that we've had. Most notably, our 50th episode was with Zach Blair and Kai Golby talking about their new project near Aiken, South Carolina called the Tree Farm. You're not going to want to miss that one. We've had other great guests like characters in the game, Jason Gore or Vinny Giles, or some of the great teachers of the game like Boyd Summerhays or Bob Toskey. Just hop in there, download, subscribe, and don't miss a single episode. Okay, without further ado, let's get to Jason Karen, the 2020 PGA Professional National Player of the Year, as he gets ready to play in the PGA Professional Championship. Enjoy this podcast. Excited to bring you another episode of the Silver Club Podcast. Today we have National PGA Player of the Year Jason Karen from the Mill River Club in the Met section of the PGA of America. Welcome, Jason.
1: Thanks for having me, Steve.
0: Oh, so great to have you. We've certainly spent some time up in the in the Northeast when I was a pro up in the in the Met section and. We certainly knew that that you were going to be one of the players to really contend with with your golf history. But we'll get into all the player of the year stuff and and all that. You know, just wanted to talk about uh, some of your upbringing in the game. You, You started you lived up in Hyannis, Massachusetts, where you grew up, lived on Cape Cod. And talk about some of your upbringing in the game and how you got into golf.
1: Sure, yeah. My dad, you know, he was a plumber, so he, uh, he was very busy in the 80s when I was growing up. Tells you how old I am, but, uh, you know, he was, he was swamped. But he he introduced my brother and I, who's two years younger, uh, my brother Nate, um, to the game. He just kind of, he took us out one day, and I remember we, like, caddied for him while he played, and, and um, we had a golf course really close to, the, to our house called Blue Rock, and Blue Rock was just a part three golf course. Every hole a part three, but it's a very challenging golf course. Um, very underrated, but it should be um, up there as a. If you ever get to Cape Cod, you should check it out. Uh, but that being said, uh, we used to walk over there, and my dad would tell us, hey, look, I don't want to hear you guys getting any trouble smacking the ball across the green or running around. Um, you're at an age where you can go over there and just be, you know the way you are normally, uh, without raising heck. Um, so we would go over there, We would chip and putt. And we got to the point where we kinda liked it. Um, we were still big into baseball and hockey, but fast forward it um, a little bit, uh, my dad being a plumber, we had a guy that played on tour that went to my high school. Uh, his name is Jim Hallett. And Jim, um, Jimmy's dad, Ollie, Um, Ollie Hallett was a very good friend of my dad's because he was in the plumbing business. Right. So we hung out, we saw Ollie all the time. So when Jimmy, of course, I'm following Jimmy play and he was playing well. He kept his card for like six years or so on tour. And when he would come home, he would kind of take us out, pot up with us, we play a couple holes with him. And that's kind of how I really got the bug to play more golf. Um as I got a little older again, we would spend more time at the course, um, growing up in the Cape. It's, you know, it's sort of like long Island a little bit where the weather's a little bit tricky, but we, um, I was fortunate enough to have my brother and our, our other brother we call him, Mark Woods, who I grew up with. And uh, the three of us, would be at the golf course every day. And yeah. that's kind of how we got stuck with it. You know, it was almost like the golf course was our babysitter and we actually all three of us got pretty good. Um, <laughs> you know it was kind of strange and and uh and then all of a sudden I had this thought of playing on the PGA Tour after watching Jimmy and this and that so um and that was my goal through you know high school into college.
0: Yeah interestingly enough right the uh I mean back in the day when when you were all growing up and when I was growing up and you're a couple years older than I am but the uh you know it, it pretty much remained the same I mean nowadays everybody's got all the technology i mean i can't get my 12 year old son off of playing Fortnite, uh you know off of the video games and all the the electronics and back then it's like hey kids go to the golf course and 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 go uh, exactly. go have some fun and that was that was the outlet for sure and and um no that's that's very interesting well well talking about being kids you have you have a couple children you had a couple girls uh caroline and julia eight and four years old and uh, your wife, Liz, who's a wonderful player. And, you know, we could do a whole podcast on how great of a player she is as well. But uh, talk about it, your family life now and, and how are they getting into the game and, and all of that.
1: Yeah, sure. So Liz and I, yeah, we have uh, two little girls, eight and four. So Caroline's the oldest. Caroline has definitely um, been coming to the course more with mom and dad in the mornings and she does some camps and she works with the tennis pros. So she's getting a little bit better. I would say that her interest level is still low, which of course I, I don't push it because she's only eight. Um, I know myself, I was a little bit older when I really started playing, uh, but Liz played around that age, eight, nine. Uh, and then Julia, you know, it's interesting. She's got great hand eye coordination already at four. So she might be our sleeper if you will. So we're going to pay <laughs> attention to her, but you know, we're, we're, um, we're big into family uh, between the four of us. We don't like to not be around each other. So that's a good thing. Um, I mean, some of my guys, uh, local guys might notice. I don't really travel to New Jersey when we have tournaments there because I don't want to be away from the family. Uh, golf. I play golf for a long time. I don't, nothing's going to change my life, whether I won every tournament or no tournament. So <laughs> But missing those kids growing up, that's that would definitely haunt me, I think, in my in my uh, future days. So um, we're definitely a family that really likes to hang out together, do a lot of things together. And, um, you know, I'm just so fortunate that, you know, Liz and I have a great job at Mill River and they have they let us bring the kids to the club like they are members. So it's it's a great situation.
0: That's wonderful. It doesn't always happen that way. I mean, I know I was a head pro up in the Northeast for nine years at a few different clubs. And, and you know, it's, it's allowed to a point at some places, and some places maybe not at all. But certainly wonderful that the membership has uh, you know has embraced the whole family recipe that you guys bring to the table. But uh, speaking of family, Liz, your wife Liz, certainly a, uh, a, a very accomplished player in her own right, uh, I mean, her her accolades and who's who's played in more major championships. Let's just start there.
1: I'm not even close. <laughs> so I just played I just played my third. Uh, so I have two PGA's and one U.S. Open. I think she has 11, but I could be wrong. It could be more. So, yeah, she's. Uh, yeah, I know we it's funny. We, you sit there and you think about it. But she really was a phenom when she was little. She was like number one amateur, number one girl's junior um went to duke four years all american i mean you just keep going i mean she won on the metro <laughs> tour she's played uh you know it's funny we put um behind us uh steve you can see a little thing on the wall over here with yeah. some of our stuff and my kids go daddy you don't really have that much in there <laughs> and i'm like yeah mommy's mommy's had a nice nice career playing so you know she's uh you know in, in fact she just got her uh, PGA status so she now is a PJ professional which is which is great and LPGA so i told all the guys look out when she gets when she gets a, little, a few rounds under her belt and she gets a little more confident um i think she's going to do very well in our section so hopefully well, that,
0: that that's very exciting and certainly for you to do what you did and you know transferring your game uh, and we can go into this a little bit i mean you're your professional golf life really revolved around you and, uh, you know, before you and Liz met. And I mean, you were playing professionally, you played a few years on the PGA tour, five or plus years on nationwide or corn Ferry tour or whatever the sponsor de jour is. But it, I see 234 tour events to date under your resume. But I, I guess my point is, is that not many people have really done what you did and taking taking that lengthy touring pro career and, and, you know, a lot of people would just kind of mail it in and do something else. You, you completely shifted gears and, and not only, you know, having a young family now and, and being married, but being a head professional in the Met PGA section, going through all of the certifications, just like you said that your that Liz has done recently. But I mean, to, to go through all that, I mean, I, I guess I, maybe I don't want our, our listeners to kind of lump you into uh, the Omar Eurestes of the world in a way. You know, I know there's been a lot to talk about him and we don't have to go down that road completely. But I think but somebody like you, you have you, you've you really just transformed your your life and totally done a 180, really, in, in what you had kind of originally set out to do.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my goal was always to play on the PJ Tour, um, you know, and I I. I I accomplished that at a younger age, you know, nowadays they, they do. I think my first year I was 27. Now they do it when they're what 19, 20, it seems like. But so that kind of my life is already passed obviously. Um, and for me to trans, you know, transfer to the, this side of the business, yeah, it was a little bit of an issue, but then again, I know golf. So that was something I knew I, I wanted to stay in. I just didn't know how. Um, and Grant Turner at Siwanoi, the head, he's the head golf professional there. He looked at me, interviewed me and he says, you know, you have the same kind of background I did. He, he played the, which a lot of people don't know. He played the European tour for like, I think it was like eight, nine years. Right. Um, so, I mean, the guy really was a player. Um, and he came over to the States, got into this side of the business, yada, yada, yada. He took a chance with me. Um, some of the people on the golf committee said, no, you're crazy to take Jason. And, and Grant said, nope, I think we should, I'm going to take him. So he did. He took me in and I learned it and I asked questions and I kept asking questions and I wanted to learn it. And I wanted to be able to run tournaments from start to finish. I wanted to know how to run the books, um, you know, and checking in, you know, equipment that comes in or a shirt and why do you, you know, Keystone and this and that, some words that we we know, <laughs> but, you know, we start doing things and next thing you know, it, um and at the same time i was doing my books to get the pga taken care of and next thing you know i and grant told me he says you're not you're only going to be here for like three to five years and you you're gonna get a head golf you know job um and sure enough after my third year bam it happened so very fortunate uh learned from one of the best um and again i just tried i really tried to kind of make that switch where it was like, yeah, I work, work, work to be the, on the tour. Now it was like, all right, I need to work, work, work to be a head golf professional. So it worked out. um, But I think you got to, you know, I I just give my hats off to Grant to taking that, you know, that chance to, uh, you know, give me a chance there. It was great.
0: No, great kudos to uh, a, a key mentor in your life for sure. What was the point where and and I went through this personally myself. I mean, I played professionally for six years and didn't, didn't achieve the level that you did almost winning on the PGA tour. But I mean, there there's, did it feel in a way that you kind of gave up on the game or, or did you just, did you just get it in your mind that you're just going to almost quit cold Turkey and just totally switch gears?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Like, so I had hurt my, my, um, on my right hand, I hurt a finger and, I had to have surgery on it. And I told myself um, that when I come back, I need to change a few of my ways I was thinking on the golf course. And the weird part was, Steve, that I couldn't seem to peak when I wanted to. And I used to be able to do that when I was playing um, before the surgery. So all of a sudden I, I, I met Liz. Liz was kind of tired of tour life. She got into the club pro business. I told her, look, I'm just going to try this one more year. I made it through first stage, didn't get to second. I missed by like a stroke or two. And I called her up. I said, I'm going to start looking for a job, you know. And that's kind of how I, you know, made that switch. But Deep down, I knew I still would like to play. That's why I wanted to stay in golf. Um, and as an assistant, you know, you can afford yourself with no kids. I could go play in some events. So I got to play in the, all our, you know, med section stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Grant would let me do a couple other things. So it worked out pretty well. And, you know, then when you get the head pro job, then life changes a little bit with children. Then you have more responsibilities. So the first year I didn't even play at all. Um, mm-hmm. And when I did, it was not pretty. So <laughs> we, um, you know, we just kind of, hung along and I didn't do anything different from then till now, but, um, you know, things are starting to click. Maybe things in your life start to get a little bit smoother. And, and the transition is now like, um, you know, like I told you, it, nothing's going to change my life. I have a great mm-hmm. life, whether I win, lose or draw. Um, and I kind of look at it that way. So it, and it's been better than the previous year. So it's been good.
0: That's great. Well, yeah, certainly, uh, Few of the most stressful things in life, new children, new jobs, uh, new, new way of life, new marriage, the whole thing. It certainly uh, gives your, gives your life a different perspective. And uh, kudos for you to be able to shift gears like that and, and do it so successfully. Talk about the Met PGA a little bit and why ultimately you, you narrowed it down to, to working at a Met PGA club.
1: Yeah, so you know, in fact, we kind of just bumped into it uh, through Liz because she got the job at Rock Rimmon uh, which is in Stanford, Connecticut. So when we got when she got the job there, you know, I kind of tagged along um, and got up here and that's where I kind of showed my face a little bit and you know, things kinda happened. But you know, the to be a first of all, a member of the PGA is you know, it was pretty amazing to be able to be associated with these guys and girls. Um for gals. Uh, but you, you know, when you look at the Mets section itself, they pride themselves on their play. Um, I happen to fit kind of that mold. At least I thought in my mind I did. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, wow, if I could get the job here, yeah, this would be the spot to be. Um, you know, Jeff Voorhees, who's our executive, he always says to everybody, you know, guys, we play for, you know, we get the best sponsors. We play for the most money anywhere in the country. And you guys are the best players in the country. And, you know, we it's funny when I when you talk about play, right? Um, we had the qualifier two years ago down in South Carolina. And it was the first time they flipped it to the spring. And all of us were like, we're going to get clobbered. You know, there's no way none of us are going to make it. We haven't played any <laughs> golf, blah, 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 right. blah. And they said, you know, they're going to look at that. And that's going to be a big deciding factor going forward. And don't you know, five out of the 20 were Met section guys, <laughs> you know, and I was actually one of them, which was kind of neat. But it really showed that there is a lot of guys up here who can really play. Um, there's a lot of grit. Right. And they want to win. And the nice things also is all our clubs, every president, every member of all our clubs up here allow us to play. And I think that's a big deal. I don't think they get they know that and they, they have enough credit on that. That we wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for them to say, "Hey, you know what? We want you to go play, and we want you to represent." That's a big deal, and I always try to tell my members, "Hey, you know, as much as I can, um, you know, thank you." So that's that's huge.
0: Well, it's certainly in the in the history of the Mets PGA section clubs. I mean, you have some of the greatest players to ever play the game that are on the Met Open Trophy, for example, that have been professionals in the area. Um, The Mill River Club uh, specifically, the first PGA club professional there was the PGA champion, Jim Ternessa. I mean, so the lineage of the player in the Met section, and I was fortunate enough to be in in the section for six years with you and and saw it firsthand, but the, the lineage is just really strong, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, Gene Sarazin, I'm trying to think of something. I mean, there's so many. You just keep looking ben at the trophies Hogan, and, Byron Nelson, right.
0: right? I mean,
1: yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, we. I mean, obviously, you. Your name's on one or two of them, or three of them. I don't know how many you won, but you definitely were up there as well. So, um, I didn't win that much. Did, <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you won at least one. I I remember that. Ooh, but yeah. Um, yeah, you look at some of the guys um, that are on those trophies. I mean it's, it's impressive. And and that's something when, you know, I've been fortunate enough to win a couple and you come home, you celebrate a little bit by pouring a, a beer in one of these start drinking out. Then you look at the names and you're like, wow. I mean, these guys, this, it goes back a long way. So, yeah, I mean, um, like you said, the lineage here is amazing. Um, some of the guys that have won on the senior tour that were club professionals, they never played on tour unless they us you know, qualify for PGA or something, but, um, there's a there's a list of them so it just keeps going and and i think it'll continue
0: How, how does mill river particularly fit in the scheme of what you and liz bring to the table and that and that family vibe that you bring
1: yeah i think that it's it's been a really good um it's been good for both um you know i know that we're a family that wears a lot of bright colors we bring a lot of bright colors to the golf shop so we have a lot of smiles and with Liz and I in there, and our staff, we try to, you know, give the best product we can. We've attracted a few, you know, decent amount of families of late, which has been great. But the club has done a lot of that work, right? They come in, they do the golf course. They've done some stuff uh, in the um, in the pool area, in the clubhouse, and I think all that is is all everything gels around doing a good job. And when you see your staff doing a great job. And you know that the uh, guests and the members have come in and they come in and say, wow, you guys run a great program. Your tournaments are great. The food's great. And they keep going on lists. It's, you know, next thing you know, you attract members and it's it's been uh, it's been pretty solid for Mill River, which is which has been great.
0: Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, uh, shifting gears back to your to your playing career. Uh, competitively let's just talk about the you mentioned a few major championships that you have played in and and a lot of a few of them have come recently and you've had uh you played two of the three at beth page black which is uh you've got a pretty good affinity for that course and not living uh currently too far away from there but um you played in the 19 uh pga at beth page and then last year at the pga at harding park as well as the o2 u.s open at beth page uh uh, for the people who have not stepped inside the ropes of a major championship and, you know, let alone a tour events like you have, um, what sort of things are different from the, the casual Saturday morning golf to win tee it up in a major championship and just uh, maybe conditions wise or just atmosphere wise?
1: Yeah, I mean, atmosphere, obviously, you're with the best players in the world, especially at the major. Um, I think. I think, think Beth Page, it was something like 100 out of the 100 best players in the world were there. And then you have 20 of us, right? So says 120, and there's only 30 other guys that played or something. And I don't know, even know how they get in. So, you know, if you start thinking about that, 100 best players in the world, I was playing in a tournament with them. And that's <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. Um, and you shot even you know, par
0: that first day at, yeah. at the 19 at Beth Page, Tied for 17th after the first day. I mean, you're, uh, that was when, uh, when gallery and fans could actually be there. So you had to have, I mean, how many members were in the gallery and you were showing off for them?
1: Yeah, no, it was great. We had a great following that day. It was a loud day. I made a, I made a nice birdie on 16. The place went crazy. It was, it was really neat. We got done. Everyone was telling me, you beat Tiger today. You beat Tiger today. And I'm like, really? Okay. I said, don't <laughs> worry. It's only one round, <laughs> you know? So, um, but that's going to be one of my highlights. That I can, you know, tell the kids and grandchildren hopefully someday. Uh, but no, when you're playing in a major event, um, you know, the people they could have never been to a major. The atmosphere is really cool. Again, you get the best players in the world. Um, local tour events sometimes they don't show up, right? Uh, as you know, they may not play in Connecticut. Um, or they may not play down at the, you know, this week at the Arnold Palmer. You just don't know when you're going to get the best field. Well, you do for a major. So it is really neat to play and to play well, but and play in front of my Mill River family. And also my family came up to watch too, which was, which was great. But Beth Page, if, if you've never played Beth Page, that is worth a trip when you get to Long Island. It's a public golf course and it's all you want. Yeah, I would put it up against any course, almost in the country when it comes to toughness, but it's very fair. Um, It's a tough walk. But that being said, you know, condition wise, obviously, as you know, you've played in some, some big events. I mean, the conditions are neck. I mean, you, you just can't believe it's that good. Right. I mean, the greens are so perfect and so fast and so firm and you just sit there and you just like, how did they do this?
0: It's the firmness. I think that's the difference from, Casual right. golf, too. I mean, you, can, you can't you can really even miss hit a shot just slightly on a firm green. I mean, you're, you're essentially your uh, your target landing area just becomes uh, infinitely smaller when the greens get firm. You have to be so sure. much more precise, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, we played Harding Park this uh, this, this past year, and um, I think the eighth hole is a par three. And we played it, I think, both days. Um it was like 230 or 240 par three. I hit a two hybrid. I remember the second day right at the stick, the pin was left. And like you said, I'm like, "Uh Oh, where's this going to end up? Hopefully it's going to be close. It runs just through the green and it's almost like I didn't even have a shot because the rough was so thick. Greens are so hard and so fast. I I looked at my brother's cafe, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And I'm only like, you know, really 20 feet from the cup. And I think that, normally when you play your home course you don't see that too often um, unless you're a member at like Wingfoot or you know Oakmont or something like that but um, yeah the conditions out there are unbelievable and you see the play Um, I always say this I go our members right or our friends that play with us go man you're wow you can really play like um, you know and I'm like 15 strokes behind you and I go yeah well think about What those guys just did with me in a major, they beat me by 15 or 20 strokes. So if you think I'm that good, how do you think they are? So, you know, you put that in perspective and then you start thinking, wow, yeah, like these guys that are playing out there, they're special. And I think, you know, again, we're a little bit older now. I think when we were playing, it was maybe a touch easier, right? These kids now, man, they are good. They're, and they they're hit all... it a long way. You always hit it pretty long, but they they, well, they <laughs> pound it. They know how to get it in the hole. They know how to, you know, they're not scared of, you know, Tiger Woods standing next to him, which I was Greg Norman when I was playing, right? Right, right. And standing next to you and you're like, oh, my goodness, it's Greg Norman. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, you talk about that. I'll let you, uh, we can... You know, shift
0: uh, shift back just a second. But you're when you played on the tour, what was your closest brush to a victory? I know uh, you didn't win any on any of the major tours, but man, you were really close, and you were out there quite a while, and and did, did it pretty often.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, when I played the PJ tour, I had a, I played I finished fifteenth at, at Pebble Beach. Oh, which was my best finish. Uh, actually, I played with Rush Limbaugh, actually, that week, which was kind of interesting. He just passed. Yeah. But um, that was a fun experience. Uh, and then on the, you know, now they call it the Corn Ferry Tour, I had a couple seconds. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, one I, I lost in a playoff. I shot 23 under that week in Arizona and lost. Um, trying to think if it was Ben Crean, I think, beat me, and Ben and maybe Bo Van Pelt or something. So two guys, mm-hmm. have won on tour a bunch of times. And then the other time I lost uh, by a stroke um, in Arkansas, which was, I, th- I really thought I won that. I was playing with Aaron Baddeley the last day and I shot four under in really tough conditions. And this guy, Jace Bug had snuck up in, uh, and beat me by a stroke. And I'm like, man, when is it going to be my turn? You know, this is not fair. And, you know, you start thinking of these weird things, although you did finish second. And I always say, you know, God has uh, weird ways to to do things. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, Jace, unfortunately, uh, um, came down with like leukemia, I think the next year. Yes, he I remember passed that way. Like not too long after that. So then all of a sudden you go hmm. now I know why. Yeah. And yeah. I'm happy. You know, I was ha- very, you know, now that I look back, I would say I'm very happy that he got to have that experience over. I did um, you know, at the time, but, um, you know, it's just, it was, it was a great experience for me to go play that, you know, those tours, I really wanted that. And I worked my butt off to get there. Um, I almost won and maybe I can, if someone, someone, uh, has little kids out there, you know, it takes the same amount, what is the same amount of effort to dream big than it does small. I think I dreamed that I wanted to be on the tour. I should have dreamed that I wanted to win on the tour because I did get on the tour. So I think that something I learned was I should have told myself, I can win on the tour. I want to win on the tour. And I just, I never, I never did that.
0: Interesting. 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 Uh, You know, so many of our listeners of our Silver Club podcast are are great players in their own right, uh, top-level amateurs, single-digit handicaps, uh, guys who want to get better competitively. Uh, as we go through these questions, I, I keep thinking about uh, what the biggest difference is between their level and a, and a professional level. And one of the things is managing the the nervousness, the the nervous energy, the adrenaline. How did you manage that adrenaline in all these major championships and these big events? And maybe, and, and do you feel different now than you did when you played every week?
1: Yeah, you definitely do because you're not sharp. I mean, this, this past year we didn't even have one event leading up to August to play at Harding park. My, my event that I had played before that was in February and I was lucky enough that I had won that event, the stroke play event um, on the, you know, the PGA one. So right. I had that to go back on, but going into it, I'm like, you know, basically you're almost thinking you have no chance, but you still think deep down, Hey, it's a, it's a major. I'm going to give my best and let's see what happens. Well, um fast forward to uh or or back it up a little bit more to 19 at Beth Page you know I was playing very well um going into there and to shoot even part of the first day I mean yeah was I nervous absolutely I was nervous but that is because I've been doing it for so long and I kind of know how to manage my game like you said and I think that keeping um keep everything really simple is the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Don't get too advanced on like the next hole, or I don't like that next hole or I don't like the, you know, three holes. I got to get a couple birdies now. I don't think that way. I think about right now and that's it. And I think that's where you, it's hard to not let your mind wander, but that's how you have to do it. You almost have to say <clears throat> all of a sudden you get to 18 and you go, we don't have any more holes left. Right. I think that's the, how the best players play. Um, Obviously, Tiger always wanted to know the leaderboard. I don't really want to know it, especially on the front nine. Right. Coming on, you know, we have nine holes left in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. give me update, Uh, you know, give me some idea where I am. Uh, But I think that, you know, learning those things, getting yourself in position. But I would say, if anything, you focus, you know, when it comes to game, you got to get, uh, you know, mentally tough. But I think your short game has to be really exceptional. Um, exceptional because you know you can always hit a golf ball; it's going to go forward, but how quick can you get in the hole? And I think that's where the average guy doesn't get that. He goes to the range, hits a few balls, check out my swing. Um, I mean, how often you see him on the putting green for you know three or four hours at a time? Never. And I tell, <laughs> I, yeah, I tell my my amber my um, juniors at the club. I said when I was a kid, I would take a. shag bag full of golf balls It was like 80 balls in it and I would start at two feet and I'd make every single one and I would make it so they were you know they meant something and then I would go to three feet then to four feet then to five feet then to six feet and you couldn't leave until you made them all in a row next thing you know you're there for six seven hours and people like no way like "Mm, yeah that's what I did and I said (laughs) that's how you get to know if you can be strong enough to to beat these guys right
0: that's a great one. I mean, would you say you carry that on now that you don't have as much time to work on your game as a as a head professional and I mean, short game is kind of the number 1 focus and then you branch off from there.
1: Exactly. I definitely know that I'm I'm going to hit it, you know, decently, but I definitely need to work on my short game. In fact, you know, now that we have all this snow and stuff, I just ordered myself a new mat for for the basement because I need to work on my putting because we have in April the club pro, right? I can't putt here right now, there's no chance. So I just ordered my my first um, putting green and I wanna know my putter, you know what I mean? I wanna make sure if it's in your hands, it feels right, you know, how's your, you know, make sure your stance is correct each time. Those are all the little things you wanna be able to rely on when it comes to, you know, making that putt to beat your buddy for the 20 bucks or for the club championship or, you know, whatever that event is. Um, I think you got to have that. Um, the short game is definitely where I'll, I'll work my most. But as you know, we don't get much time to practice. So when I do, <laughs> it's it's going to be it's going to be a good practice.
0: For sure, for sure. Well, I, I want to let you go here in a second. I've got a couple more topics I want to just cover real quick. Uh, one of the biggest accolades that you were recently uh, awarded was the National PGA Player of the Year. Uh, talk about that and how, how proud you are of that accomplishment and all that, all this hard work that you've put in and, and how to balance your, your work and your family and your golf time.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, just, it was a strange year. Um, again, we were, I was down in Florida and we played in the PGA stuff. Um, I played the winter series, like the team event and I played with Sean Quinlevin, who's the head pro over at piping. And he was He said, "Man, you're playing really well. You know, you'll have a good chance next week in the stroke play." Well, I played really well, and I actually won it uh, in a playoff, actually over Omar, actually, uh, and and Josh Rackley. So, but at the time, we didn't know that COVID was coming, right? So next thing you know, it my next tournament was the PGA. And we got in because I got into that event because they honored the year before points list, which they took the top 20 and I was 19. There you go. So, yeah, so that was pretty neat. So, you know, then we got next met section event started. And again, that's where, you know, I kind of changed my attitude a little bit of saying instead of let's go hope to play well, let's go and win this thing. And it did. Next thing you know, I really started playing well. Um, I don't know. I think it was more of just a mental attitude deal. And I think I was excited to play a little bit more because we didn't play much right Right. up Mm -hmm. until then. Yeah, especially in tournaments. So I was really ready to play. and really wanted to play well. Well, long story short, our points in the met section, I think we get a few more because our section is stronger than some of the other ones. Sure. And because I won that event in February, that took me to the top of the list um there was no other events so I think I was a little bit fortunate to get it but yeah it means a lot to be able to say look I was you know the best player in the country as a club professional Um, that's really pretty cool and and Dave Marr I was on his podcast and he said you know my dad has one of those and he says he always thought you know was one of his proudest moments was able to get that you know that plaque or whatever they give you, and says you sit that in your office. That's a pretty nice piece to have, and there's not a lot of those out there. So um, yeah, I'm pretty fortunate, and, and um, you know we'll, we'll see how it goes from here.
0: <laughs> and you were the Met PGA champion two of the last three years. Uh, your your opponent, I mean, this is this is a, here's a a learning lesson for all of our listeners. Your opponent made a you hit it to about a foot on the on the first playoff hole this last year. I think it was a Glen Arbor, maybe. Um, it was at Century, or excuse me, it was at Century, yeah. and and you hit it to a foot on the first playoff hole, and your opponent's forty feet on the front fringe, and all of a sudden he makes this bomb, and you're like, <laughs> you, you see this ball going to the Freaked hole, and it out. just drips in the corner. How how do you manage your emotions at that point? I mean, or do you just take the the old philosophy of of hey, you know, uh, in a match play situation like that, you just expect your opponent. You expect the unexpected, right?
1: Yeah. So, you know, what's was interesting is that when he hit this putt, it, um, it it went in so perfect. I mean, really, I was like, are you serious? Um, but I said, you know what? Maybe it's his day. Yeah, I have a tap in. We, we're going to know the hole. But you know what? That was a one heck of a putt. And you know what? Maybe it's his, de- you know, he's deserving. And then, you know, again, now we were we were playing in carts with no caddies. So um, I remember jumping in the cart, and when I'm driving over to the next hole for the playoff, I said to myself, nope, that's not what's going to happen. You're going to step up, you're going to hit a good drive, and you're going to make yourself a putt for birdie here. Needless to say, I hit an unbelievable drive, and then hit a great little wedge shot to like six feet, he hit it to the very back. Next thing you know, he missed, and I made it. So it's like <laughs> strange. But, yeah, I mean, I really wanted to win that that event. Um, but, yeah, I think you have to get your mind ready. Like I said, I, I kind of went off that for a second, and then I refocused and, and got the job done.
0: Nice. Well, congrats on that. And you also won the Long Island Open by five shots, so that wasn't as much of a squeaker uh, at all. So you had so many great things to to lead into that player of the year Uh, that national PGA player of the year. So uh, congratulations on that. Uh, Final question. Do you have any sort of thoughts about a Champions Tour run? You're 48 years old now, you turn 49 at the end of July. What sort of PGA Champions Tour or PGA Tour Champions uh, thoughts might you have? Because I know that the club really supports you and would support you in that mission.
1: Yeah. I really don't want to be traveling. Like I said, I want to be around the kids. So that um, is a pretty easy question for me is that I will not do that. Um, It, you know, there's only five spots, I believe at the Q school anyways. Right. Even if I did go do that qualifier and I did get one of the five spots, there's really nothing in the area or even if I miss, I should say, there's nothing really local that I could go play in right on that tour unless they bring something back to Meadowbrook or something. So to be away, it's not going to happen. Um, I will definitely want to play the PGA, right? The senior PGA mm-hmm. championship, the senior U.S. Open. Yes, those ones I'll definitely shoot for. Again, majors to play in, but to go play out there again, I have no no chance and I really don't want um, <laughs> to be away from the kids. And that's my final answer <laughs> well that's a,
0: that's a great mission yeah we had rob labritz on our 42nd podcast not too long ago and he's one of your colleagues in the Met section and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's 1000 percent gung ho about giving that a shot. And that it just gives you a, it gives all our listeners an idea of the of that depth. I mean, you have Matt Dobbins, the you know, National Club Professional Champion a few times. You have Danny Balin. You have all these great players that you have to play against each and every day. Uh, uh, I guess one of the next events that we'll see you in is the PGA Professional Championship uh, down at Port St. Lucie. Uh, so best of luck with that and, Thank you. and defending your player of the year titles and, <laughs> and all of that. And, uh, and uh, certainly most importantly, uh, with your family and being there as a father and 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 all of that. That's uh, that's the biggest mission in life. And uh, congratulations on all all that success as well.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Steve
0: big thanks today to Jason Karen for spending time with us on the Silver Club podcast as he prepares for the PGA Professional Championship down in Florida this week. You'll want to see him on the Golf Channel and you're going to hear somebody you know On the coverage as well, I'll be the main analyst with Golf Channel in the booth this week with George Savaregas. Don't forget to download and subscribe to our Silver Club podcast and hear all the great episodes that we've had. Until next time, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe, and we look forward to bringing you another Silver Club podcast real soon.